All right, well, we will get started. And uh, small group, but that's okay. Um, all right, let's pray, and then we'll get started. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to get together. Thank you for bringing everybody here safely through the snow and the ice. I pray that you would give the rest of the congregation travel mercies as they make their way here later this morning. Um, bless the conversation and the discussion, and we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> so we have talked uh, two weeks now um, about different things leading up to the New Testament or that are happening in the New Testament. Um, last week was, what was last week? We talked about the Maccabees, the Hasmonean kings leading up to, leading up to the time of Jesus. Um, and we went through a little bit of this timeline. Um, uh, we also talked about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the beginning of those groups. And um, we talked about the high priestly line that led to kind of Caiaphas and Jesus being the ultimate high priest. So that's a little bit of the background that we've talked about so far. Um, uh, I've got a little bit of the timeline here kind of truncated a little um, but reminding us that in 167 is when we had the Maccabee Revolution. Um, and then in 142 is when the Maccabees eventually took over completely and became kings. Um, and so the revolution lasts for a while, but in 142 you finally have a Hasmonean king which is a Maccabee. The Maccabees is like their nickname, but they're from the line, the Hasmonean line. So you call it, we call it the Hasmonean dynasty. Um, and then it ends. They also call this the period of Jewish independence because for this super long time uh, under Assyria and then Babylon and then Persia and the Greeks, you had the Israel, Israel and the Jews being under foreign rule but it's in 142 that you have a Jewish king again, and you have a, the Hasmonean dynasty, and those are all the Maccabees and the great-grandkids and so forth. In 63, this period of Jewish independence ends with Rome coming in and conquering Jerusalem. Um, they still, they still have, you still have some Hasmoneans that are kind of in charge, but they're puppet kings, they're client kings, or whatever you call it, to, to Rome. And then in 37, Rome installs Herod the Great as king. And today we're going to talk about the Herods. <clears throat> um, and there's a bunch of Herods. Um, they have a dynasty that lasts, you know, probably about as long as the Hasmoneans ruling in the land. But they're all uh, Romans. They're Roman. And they are Roman. They kind of are subordinate to Rome. Um, Herod the Great's father is called Antipater the Idumean, um, which means he is uh, an Edomite. And we're going to start by backing up a little bit to talk about the Edomites because it helps in understanding all the Herods that show up in the New Testament if we look a little bit, about, look a little bit at the conflict between Israel and the Edomites. Um, so after we'll look at the Edomites, we'll then look at all the Herods in the New Testament and try and get them straight. We'll do a little family tree to figure out who's who because a lot of times they just say Herod, but it's not the same Herod as, you know, that you might think. So we'll do a little bit of that to kind of sort all the Herods out. But um, I added a couple dates 
we usually start at David at 1,000, but I backed up to add a couple more because we didn't have enough. Um, and a rough date for Abraham is 1900, although he lived a while, but 1900 is a good date just to think of um, kind of anchoring that. And then the Exodus, rough date you could put for 1450. Um, and then David at 1,000 just gives some rough sort of anchor dates. We're going back, though, to talk about Jacob and Esau. So we're going back close to the, you know, 1900 uh, part here, timeline here. So we're going to maybe the 1800s BC, uh, 1700s BC when we talk about um, Jacob and Esau. So that's where we're going to start. Um, <clears throat> we are going to start with the birth of Jacob and Esau. Um, so that's Genesis 25, 19 to 28. And I'll read this. I'll read this part. You can follow along. Um, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Um, all right, <clears throat> so that gives us kind of the introduction to the Edomites and the Israelites. Um, the two things to keep in mind that we'll kind of look through is the struggle between the two nations, right? The struggle. But then also the last line there, the older shall serve the younger. That should be a common theme you see throughout, right, the whole Bible. The older brother serving, um, the older brother serving the younger brother. <clears throat> All right, um, verse 27 of that same um, chapter says, When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Um, there's two pretty famous uh, stories, right, that um, come from them growing up that tell us about the conflict, right, that, that um, they, they got into before they split. Um, those two stories, again, pretty famous. We have stealing the birthright when um, uh, Jacob takes the birthright, and then also he takes Esau's blessing as well. Uh, so we're going to look at Genesis 27. <clears throat> this is after Esau finds out Jacob steals the blessing. Um, it says, from that time, in verse 41, from that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother Jacob. What do you do with this thing? Esau, I have hated Jacob. Well. Yeah, that comes later. Um, that is something we'll look at, hopefully at the end. Um, but that's, that's, I think, in uh, Romans, maybe. So we'll, we'll come to that, I think, later. Um, when we get to kind of the New Testament. <clears throat> no, I, I mean, I think that's really, that's really key. Um, but let's see what kind of what happens along the line, because there's even more, um, there's kind of even more conflict. So um, later in Genesis, in third Genesis 36, we get a complete genealogy of Esau. 
Um, it says, these are the generations of Esau, that is, Edom. So right away we hear, this is where we find out, okay, so all the descendants of Esau, those are the Edomites. But Esau took a lot of wives from a lot of uh, different Canaanite um, uh, cultures, um, people groups, and there's, so there's a lot more than just the Edomites that are involved here with this conflict. Um, I'll skim over Genesis 36. Again, it lists a lot of, a lot of different, um, kind of the different family lines that come from Esau. Um, but some of them you should recognize, right? Esau took his wives from the Canaanites. Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. O, Libama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite. And Basimeth, Ishmael's daughter, the sister of Nebaioth. Um, later on, we see... It says, Saul settled in the country of Seir. And then again, Esau is Edom. That was verse 8. <clears throat> These are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in the hill country of Seir. Uh, we'll look at a map later, or hopefully I can draw a map later and we'll show it. But Edom is south of Judah, south of the Dead Sea, south of Jerusalem. Um, so you can imagine it being kind of between um, the Dead Sea and then the, like the Red Sea and Egypt. <clears throat> so it's south. Um, but that's uh, the area is Mount uh, Seir. And sometimes you'll hear in the Old Testament references to Mount Seir, and then you should think Esau, Edomites, conflict. Um, uh, the sons of Eliphaz were Taman, Omer, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Um, Tim, Timnah was a concubine of Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These are the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. So then we see there Amalek, who is the father of the Amalekites, is also related to the line of Esau. Um, <clears throat> Amos 1 uh, is another place we'll look to, verse 11. Uh, this is where we see kind of, we, in Amos 1, we see, a lot of, we see a lot of judgment prophesied for all, a lot of the neighboring countries around Israel, their enemies. This is where it talks about the judgment for Edom that's coming. So Amos 11, thus says the Lord, for, the, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity and his anger tore perpetually and he kept his wrath forever. So again, you see, this is a perpetual conflict between Esau um, and Jacob. So what was that passage? That was Amos uh, 1, 11. Um, is there, there's one more, um, I think, conflict that is pretty famous that comes up later uh, between a, an Amalekite. Um, does anybody know who the famous Amalekite is that comes up later that shows up in Persia? <coughs> What's that? Rhymes with Raymond. Yes. <laughs> it's Haman. Uh. Haman is... Uh, it says Haman uh, is, uh, so chapter 3 in Esther. Um, sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. <clears throat> well, um, the Agag is a, an Amalekite king. So Agag would have been a descendant of Esau as well. And, and I think that's why that's specifically called out there. It's not random that we know that about Haman. Um, but that's a lot later on in the history. And again, it continually, we're continually seeing this conflict between this, these people groups. 
All right, so that's all kind of way back up here. Um, <clears throat> but when we get down to uh, Herod the Great, we should be remembering all of that conflict through the Old Testament when Herod comes in. Um, now, we know he's not the Herod the Great's not the only Herod, so we're going to look at a few of them. Um, but we will start with Herod and read a little bit about him and then kind of go through the family line. So I will, let's see, try and do this. Horace, would you mind getting me something to wipe the board off with? I'm going to, I need a little more room for all these Herods. We're going to do a little family tree. We'll try to see how much we can get through. But we'll start with Herod the Great <clears throat> and read about him, and then I'll get, all, get rid of all this, and we'll do a little, a little drawing. <clears throat> um, all right, so let's look at a couple passages. So let's look at Mark. Could somebody look at Mark 13? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Mark 13, 1 to 2. Sam's got it. And then we are going to... Um, let's read Mark, t Matthew. We're going to read Matthew. Do we have time? Yeah. Matthew 2, 1 through 23. A little bit longer, but we're going to read that whole passage. <coughs> that gets us started. Um, all right. So Herod the Great. I should have. Uh, Herod the Great. So Herod the Great is appointed by the Romans to be king. Um, he's known for a few things, uh, one of which is massive building projects. Um, rebuilt the temple, did a bunch of massive building projects. The other thing is being uh, paranoid about his being usurped or assassinated by families or relatives or foreigners. So those are a couple things that he's famous for. <clears throat> um, so let's read Mark 13 really quick. Uh, then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teach us, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone <coughs> shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Okay. So this is uh, a pretty famous line where they're observing the greatness, the grandeur of the temple, right? And Jesus says his famous line um, that... The temple would have been, you know, it had been recently rebuilt by Herod, so it would have been um, bigger than any time before, bigger than maybe similar size to Solomon's, but it would have been pretty um, spectacular at this point. And that's one thing Herod did, being an Idumean to curry favor with the Jews, right? Because the Jews did not like having an Idumean, an Edomite, as their king. So that's one thing he did is he built these projects. Um, <clears throat> the other thing he did is he actually married one of his wives of many was a Hasmonean, a Maccabee, great, 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 great granddaughter. That was another thing he did to try and kind of unite Israel behind him. Um, in general, though, the Jews wouldn't have liked him. Um, all right, so then we're going to read Matthew 2, 1 through 23. Somebody do that. 1 through 23. A little bit longer. Pretty important. <clears throat> I'll read through verse 12. Okay. Alright, Jesse's going to read the first 12. <coughs> so 12 to what? 23. 23. Okay. Yeah. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem today and the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship 
Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. <coughs> then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, and in all that region who were two years old and under, or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. <coughs> and those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that... What's that word? Archelaus. Archelaus, thank you. <coughs> was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Perfect. Okay, so longer passage there, obviously famous. A couple things, though. So, um, quick map of the Mediterranean and Israel. Um, Dead Sea, Jordan River. Sea of Galilee, Jerusalem, uh, Edom, Edom uh, is going to be down here, so Edom is going to be down here, right, Egypt, to Egypt, down here, um, so this is Judea, this is Judea, this is uh, going to be the region of Galilee, uh, is going to be the region of Galilee, up by the Sea of Galilee, obviously. So we'll put Galilee up north, Galilee. Um, so when Joseph, so first we have, obviously, the killing of the innocent boys, right? The two-year-old boys. That's a famous story. Again, I think it makes more sense when you see the connection with the Edomites and this conflict. That was a big deal. That was an Edomian king trying to kill a true you know, king from the line of David, right? <clears throat> so you have that conflict. Uh, they leave, they flee to Egypt, they come back to Judea, right, where they were. Beth, Bethlehem is right next to Jerusalem. And Archelaus, Herod's son, 
is ruler of Judea. So when Herod uh, dies, Rome, the emperor, says, all right, we're not going to have one king. We're going to split it up among, into four regions. One of the regions is Judea. One of the regions is Galilee. Uh, there's another region up here, or a combination of regions, uh, that one of his sons gets. Uh, and then there's a fourth. But we, these are the ones we're going to worry about. So Archelaus, then, uh, is, is the ruler here. So they don't stop here. They go up to Galilee. Okay? Um, another one of Herod's sons is Aristobulus. Aristobulus who does not show up in the Bible. <clears throat> Maybe we'll underline ones that show up in the Bible. But he has a daughter. Well, he has a couple kids that are important. He has a daughter named Herodias, who shows up. And then his son will be will factor in as well. All right, so then we have a son named, or a daughter named Herodias. Um, and that introduces us to his next son who is pretty important um, but first uh, just so we know Archelaus he's in charge of Judea and he lasts about 10 years and Rome or the Jews complain about him he's not a great ruler the Jews kick him out they, they ask Rome to kick him out so they get rid of him and instead of having a, a uh, you know a, a Herod who rules in Judea after that point they um, they install a governor, and the governor they install is named Pontius Pilate, who shows up later. But there's a reason then during you know the crucifixion you don't have a Herod who's in charge of that from the Roman perspective, but you have uh, a uh, or you don't have a Jewish king, a Herod. You have Pontius Pilate, um, so he takes over for uh, Archelaus and runs Judea. Was he, a, was he a Gentile? He was a Roman, yeah. He was just a Roman governor. <clears throat> Probably, yeah. So he was not, no, not related to the Edomites or the Jews. But he's a famous person, right? So we'll keep an eye on how he comes in and we underline him. So he's governor. Governor. All right. So then we have Aristobulus, who doesn't show up except Herodias does. Um, and then the king... Uh, let's see, then the son that gets Galilee is Herod Antipas. Antipas. Herod Antipas. Is Herod the great son that rules Galilee. And he rules Galilee from 4 BC, when Herod dies, till like 40 AD. So the entirety of Jesus' ministry and life. Herod Antipas is in Galilee. <clears throat> So when David, or when, when Joseph and Mary move up to Galilee, they go from Archelaus' territory to Herod Antipas's. Um, all right, Herod Antipas is also known as the fox. Jesus calls him the fox in Luke 13.32. He um, would have been, uh, Jesus would have been well known to him, right? Because a lot of Jesus' ministry took place up there. And we will read about him in a little more depth. Uh, with the story of John the Baptist. So let's read another section, Matthew 14, 1 to 12. Who can do uh, Matthew 14, 1 to 12? And I'll introduce most of the rest of the characters in here. Okay, yep. 
that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Uh, and although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it over to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it, and went and told Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So Herod the Tetrarch, who cuts off, uh, who has um, John the Baptist executed, is Herod Antipas. He's always... Um, he, we also heard, married his niece. So half, uh, I think he's probably a half-brother, so half-niece or step-niece or something, Herodias, who had also been married to his brother, Philip, right? So we have Philip the first. So Her Herodias had previously been married to Philip the first, who is briefly mentioned here. So we'll underline him. But there's two Philips. Uh, Herod had a bunch of wives. Most of these are from different wives. He had a bunch of wives uh, and a bunch of sons. And he also had a Philip II, who is also mentioned in the Bible. So we have to, we have to underline him as well. So uh, the, the Philip that Herodias is married to is one son, but then there's also a Philip the Tetrarch, who is another son, who is called Philip II, who runs this, one of these regions uh, up north of Galilee. So we had Archelaus down here. We had Antipas in Galilee. And then Philip II is another Tetrarch, who we hear about in Luke 3.1. In Luke 3.1, it says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar... Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, right? Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria, Trachonitis, and Licinius, uh, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene. So there's a fourth Licinius who's not a Herod, who's also a tetrarch. Tetrarch means uh, four rulers. And so these are your four sections. This Licinius... Licinius is this other section up here, but we don't worry about him. Forget about it. So anyways, um, that's where we hear about Philip the Tetrarch, who is Philip II. All right, so um, that is all. These are all the, the kids of Herod the Great that show up in the Bible, these four. Um, we have Pontius Pilate. We have Herodias. <clears throat> um, okay, so then, uh, then we have the crucifixion narrative um, in one of the gospels right in Luke you have Jesus who starts out 
uh, coming in front of Pilate, who is down here, right? Pilate is now the ruler down here. Um, and then a Herod comes into the mix. Okay, so uh, I'll skim that or read it quickly. Uh, let's see, where does... Uh... All right, so at the end, so this is um, Luke 23. <clears throat> at the end, um, we see the Jews accusing him, uh, accusing Jesus of a few things, right? Pilate said in verse 4, Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching them throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. Verse 6, When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who himself was in Jerusalem at that time. So this is Herod Antipas. So Herod Antipas is ruler of Galilee. He happens to be in Jerusalem. He's visiting Jerusalem for the Passover. So he's in town. That's why Pontius Pilate, that's why they comment and say, um, uh, who happened to be in <coughs> Jerusalem, who, or who he self, himself was in Jerusalem. Normally he wouldn't be, right? He would have been up in Galilee. So he sends him, so Pontius Pilate sends him over to Herod. Um, uh, when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him. He, again, he knew all about Jesus. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. Uh, the chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. <clears throat> okay, so that is the crucifixion story, right? This Herod shows up, just so you know. That's Herod Antipas, same one that killed John the Baptist. All right, moving on, though, we are going to have another Herod that shows up later on. So that's all the Gospels. We don't have any more Herods till Acts, till we get past the Gospels. We will pause and ask for questions. Yes? Um, so did Archelaus just totally, or Pontius Pilate totally replaced Archelaus and he has no authority now whatsoever? Archelaus? Yes. yes. Archelaus actually is dead by this point, I think. So he ruled 10 years from, uh, Herod ruled from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. <coughs> 4 B.C. is when he died. Right? That's where we know Jesus couldn't have been born after 4 BC uh, because Herod is obviously alive at that point. So that's where we put Jesus' birth usually, around 4 BC. Um, and yes, Archelaus had ruled till about like from 4 BC to like 6 AD. And then he's kicked out and he dies sometime later. So he's not around at all. Pontius Pilate is in charge. Is Herod the Great like the first Herod that we are aware of? Yeah. His father is called Antipater, the Idumean, who's fairly famous in like Jewish history. Not doesn't show up in the Bible though. <clears throat> but his father, uh, during like Roman civil wars, took fought in the Roman civil wars and got to know the Romans, and then they that's where they start to that's where the Herod line starts to come in. Okay, so Archelaus also like Herod Archelaus and then Herod Antipas. Yeah, most of these. Archelaus actually doesn't go by the name Herod, okay. but the rest do. Herod Philip, Herod Antipas, Herod Aristobulus. Yeah, those, they go by the name of Herod. Is Aristobulus, is that in the Bible, mentioned in the Bible? No. Okay. But Herodias is, and his son, Agrippa, 
the first okay. is also mentioned in Acts. So how do we know that the relation is to Aristotle through other other sources, other primarily Josephus, but a lot of people. They're pretty famous, like Roman. Okay. Uh, there's documents. So all these kings are set up at the behest of the Roman Empire emperor. So the Roman emperor says, you get this, you get that, you get this. So there's there's a lot of documents. Philip the first, Philip the second, they're technically half-brothers? <clears throat> yes, they are, okay. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Godly Jewish name. <laughs> well, or yes, the, 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 both moms wanted the same name. They both liked it. Um, yeah, okay, so now we have Agrippa the first, who is our Herod in Acts 12. Um, the Herod in Acts 12 kills James and has Peter imprisoned, okay? And that's Agrippa, Herod Agrippa. We won't read all that, but that's a fair, fairly famous um, event. Was um, James the brother of Jesus or James the James the brother of John. James the brother of John. So I'll read just the start, Acts 12, 1. About that time, Herod the king, so they don't, specify which Herod, but the Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. So that is Herod Agrippa I. Um, okay, so that's one thing that's famous with Herod Agrippa, but we read later on in Acts 12, uh, verse 20, now... Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. Um, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's, king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So that is also a fairly famous story about <clears throat> Herod dying. But it is, that's the Herod the first that we're talking about here. Okay, one more Herod that shows up, I believe, and that's Herod Agrippa II, his son. <clears throat> he actually has a few kids that we will see later, but Herod Agrippa is the king that comes next. Um, he also has, let's see, um, two daughters that show up, a Drusilla, we'll put Drusilla here, is one daughter who shows up, and a Bernice. And all these characters show up in Acts 23, 4, 5, and 6, um, right at the end of Acts. Um, after Paul's, after three, Paul has his three missionary journeys, right, uh, before he goes to Rome. So towards the end of his ministry, right, he is on trial in Caesarea, um, and he is brought in front of the new governor of Judea. Um, so we have a new governor of Judea who is Festus. So we go Pontius Pilate, there's a few different governors, but eventually we have Festus who shows up as governor of Judea. Again, we don't have a king here. Um, and, but just so you know, when you hear Festus, you can think of uh, you know, somebody in, in the, the Pontius Pilate line. And Festus is married to, I believe it's Drusilla. 
Or no, Felix is. That's right, Felix is. So Festus is your one governor, and Paul, and he keeps trying to take the bribes, right? He holds Paul for a couple years trying to get bribes. No bribes, no bribes, no bribes. He dies, and, and um, oh, did I get them backwards? Felix, and then I did. I got them backwards. So Felix is the first one. So Felix is our first governor. They sound so similar. Felix is our first governor. He tries to get the bribes. He dies after a couple years, and they appoint Festus. Festus is the next governor. Also, both Paul, um, Paul um, testifies in front of both of them, and it says that Festus is married to Drusilla, married to Drusilla, and at one point in the uh, right in Paul, while Paul's on trial, Agrippa also comes in, and he and Paul testifies in front of Agrippa. Agrippa's sister is Bernice, and it mentions both of them. So we have all three of these, Drusilla, Agrippa II, Bernice, Felix, and Festus all show up kind of in the same, basically in the same few years that Paul is imprisoned and on trial in Caesarea before going to Rome. So the next 24 that Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. Yeah, so that's 24. 25, 26, all kind of have this, the, um, this whole situation with uh, the Agrippas. And um, well, yeah, is it Felix? Did I get that one messed up? Okay, there we go. That's all right. We are all over the place. I, I'm just making things more confusing. The main thing to, uh, I think the main thing to get, the main takeaway um, let's see, I'll read just the end of Acts 26. Um, what verse? Uh, 26, 24 to 32. Or, yeah. Um, so this is the end, this is the end of Paul's, uh, trial, essentially. Are we out of time? How far out of time? Oh, yeah, we're way over time. All right, that's fine. We'll read this, and then we'll wrap up. Um, and as he was saying these things, in his defense... Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. But I am speaking true and rational words. For the kings, the king knows, this is King Agrippa, the king knows about these things. And to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things have escaped his notice. For he, for, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, this is King Agrippa II, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who bear me this day might become such as I, such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king arose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And then we have Paul's journey to Rome. Um, and that ends our Herods. So maybe we'll pick up, pick up with uh, the Roman stuff later. But all right. That they were persuaded by him, but since he appealed to Caesar, they had to take it up to the next level. Yeah. They had to push him to Rome, which is what he wanted, and we have, um, yeah, so then we have that part. <clears throat> All right, uh, I think that is it.
and we will maybe pick up with the uh, the part in Romans next week. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to discuss these things. I pray that you would use these stories to shed light on your word. Um, bless Dan's teaching later today, and we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Yeah.